What's your thoughts on tonight? Seriously. <laughs> uh, my thoughts on tonight. Great, great atmosphere. That's about it for me. Uh, Coach, sustained drives obviously tough for you guys to come by tonight. What was the biggest issue offensively? Was it something tonight? they were doing? The first two games. How about that? Kind of on that same note, I guess second half's also been a bit of a struggle as well. I mean, what's kind of been the biggest issue there for you guys in the second half of games? If I had that answer, it wouldn't happen. If our players had that answer, it wouldn't happen. It's unfortunate that uh, we played the first half of football and don't want to play the second half of football. You know, they, they come out in the second half. Um, they really don't do anything. They run two plays. They're in the outside zone, and their quarterback died the, re- the whole second half. And we didn't stop it. Welcome to your third episode of the XFL Insider Podcast. This is your host, Matthew Tyler. I've got Drew and Jake with me today. Also, our special guest, R.C. Woods. R.C., how's it going? Oh, I'm doing great. Hello, beautiful people. How's it going? Drew, Jake, how are y'all feeling today? Just peachy. (laughs) Just peachy? Okay. you, You are a peach, Jake. I love you, man. So I'm glad. So I'm glad. feeling fantastic. I'm feeling chipper. I'm ready to go. I'm in the same mood as you, Drew. I'm I'm happy. Week two gave me a lot of football pleasure. Uh, we had some great electric games, and we also had some disappointments. We're going to get into everything very, very soon. Um, before we start, I just wanted to introduce RC. RC Woods is a Bama Mama fan club. Uh, leader. She has represented the moms of the XFL as well as the women of the XFL fan club. RC, can you tell us more about your fan club as well as your activities you provide for the Brahma fans? Sure. So first of all, I do a podcast with uh, Philip Higginbotham and Leo Yamas, and it's called Smoke and Guns Podcast. And in that podcast, I do a special segment called Mom to Mom, where I interview the player's mom. So of course, when the Brahmas, which I'll be the first one to say, I don't I'm not a fan of the name Brahma. I hated it at first, to be, to be honest, but it grew on me. And someone suggested, why don't you do the Brahma Mamas? And I thought it was just the perfect link together, especially since Danny Garcia is the first female um, football league owner. I thought it was excellent connection. And so really um, what I'm trying to do with the Brahma Mamas is to increase a female interaction um, with the XFL. And so I know for a fact that And this is just kind of like a side bit, but um, for for females in high school, they um, they don't really have football scholarships, unlike the young men do. And so a lot of these females who are playing flag football or regular football, once they get to like their junior, senior year, they have to change their sport if they want to get a scholarship to college, because there is none right now um, for for females in football. However, a couple of years ago with the. Um, the gridiron they started where they have a combine 
for female for girls in high school. And right now, there's about 12 to 15 universities that will offer football scholarships to, to girls, to females, so they can get their education. Now, for me, that really touches my heart because I look at women and there's so much that we have to sacrifice. And so I feel that it's not fair that females have to change the sport that they love just to get a scholarship. Young men don't have to do that. And so I really want to bring female awareness to football. And I want to increase the fan interaction with females and to show that we are a part of this field. We are part of the sports and we really want to give back to the community. And that's another thing that we do as, as moms, as females. So we, at the tailgating, what we did was we um, made a partnership with the San Antonio Food Bank. And we had bins, we had wagons, and we collected food. And we had a whole trunk full of food that we were able to give back to the community, to the San Antonio Food Bank. So really, we hang out tailgating. We have our own shirts. We have our design. And so a little bit about our logo. So I had asked the director of operations, Jose Jefferson, if we could kind of create our own logo for the Brahma Mamas. And so I suggested we have eyelashes and maybe some earrings and some pink lipstick. And he was like, oh, no. He's like, just use our Brahma <laughs> logo. And he goes, I'll send it to you. And we'll just add a little bit of feminine touch. So he actually is the one that helped design the Brahma Mama logo. And then when I brought it to um, my podcast brother, Leo, and I was like, I really wish we could get a yellow rose because the yellow rose of Texas is the song. And he's like, let's do it. So the logo is Brahma Mamas and it has the exact logo of the Brahmas. It just has like a pink border. And then we have the yellow rose that says for mamas. So really, we're just looking for females who are enthusiastic about football. We want to help support the, um, the Brahmas. We want to help support females in football. And we really want to help the XFL because we learned from the commanders here in San Antonio one or two teams cannot sustain a league we need 100% participation in yes, all of the city so if it was up to me I would start a female XFL fan club in every single city and we could all join together I even came up with our purpose that that's what we want to do and so if there's any female fans out there with the Orlando uh, I'm just saying uh, the Las Vegas uh, see the DC defenders. If there's a bunch of females, it doesn't take much, right? We're just trying to bring awareness, and that's the key point. I think you have a great initiative going, RC. It oh, sounds like you're you. you're on thank something you. very, very good, and it's productive for females as well as the male counterparts that may be affected. Yeah, and you know, like I said, I've been reaching out to the XFL. I'm trying to get some of the players' moms to contact me so I can start doing those mom-to-mom -mom interviews because what mom does not want to brag about their son, really, in Texas at least, you know? And I'm sure moms are the same all across the country, no matter where you go, what state. Moms are very proud of their sons and they want to brag. And I'm giving them an opportunity to do so. All they have to do is contact me either on the Smoking Guns podcast, I'm on Facebook under RC Woods, and uh, let's start making these interviews happen. Because if you ask any, like for San Antonio, I haven't been able to do that. If you ask someone who's attending the game, who's your favorite player? Mm, I don't really know them. And that's where I come in. I start making that connection by moms bragging. And it's like, oh, yeah, that kid went to UT or that, that kid went to Texas Tech. And that's where the connections are. And so 
I want to do that for the XFL. I want to do that for the Brahmas. If there's another team out there that gives me access to their players, I'm I'm not only do I'll not only going to do the Brahmas. I'll do the Defenders. I'll do the Guardians. I'll do whatever it takes. But I want to again increase the connection with the XFL and the fans. Female, male, kids, it doesn't matter because we even do fun kid activities during tailgating. I love it, RC. Uh, can you. you tell us how many members do you have right now in San Antonio? So on the Facebook page, we have 300 members. Now, I don't discriminate. If you're a male and you want to join, you're going to you're going to get accepted. Right. So Excellent. how That's many awesome. females are on there? I don't know for sure. But I can tell you at tailgating, we had about at least 25 show up for the group picture. When we had the watch party this past weekend, there was at least another 15 there. So there's some active members and then there's not some active members. And that's okay too. Because again, if I can go to the XFL and say, look, we have 300 members in the Brahma Mamas. Take us seriously. Help us to help you increase the female interaction and the female interest from all the teams, not just the Brahma Mamas. We need to have more female interaction across the board. Definitely. You're absolutely right. There's there's a bunch of female fans in the XFL. Like every every broadcast that you see, you mm-hmm. see a whole bunch of females in the fans, and it's not it's not really typical for for uh, females to kind of latch on to anything new football. A lot of a lot of females are just like not about football whatsoever. But the ones that are into it are usually yeah. super into it and really want right. to get more involved. And uh, that's especially true with the moms. You know, the mom. I mean, that goes all the way back to. Uh, that goes all the way back to Little League, like the team mom. Everybody loves the team mom. She's bringing, she's bringing chocolate at the end of the game. She's got the sports drinks. She's got everything, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the orange slices. Orange slices, right? <laughs> orange slices are, are where it's at, right? I'm but, telling you. But seriously, like the, the moms are, are the staple of the family, and mm-hmm. that doesn't stop just because their sons are old, right? right. That, it, that's lifelong. And for a commitment like that to make its way into the NFL or the XFL, excuse me, uh, and, and to have a chance to spread and for you to have 300 people already in, in I mean, how we long do. ago did you we start? Um, we started, um, I guess, right after one of the first watch parties that we had with Heinz Ward. Um, and it, I brought a sign. I don't know if you can see the sign behind me, but it says Mama mm-hmm. Mamas. Um, and I took that to the meet and greet. And I saw Heinz Ward and I was like, hey, um, I don't know if you remember me. I'm RC from, from the podcast, from the commanders. And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, nice to meet you. Right. And then I was like, I'm friends with um, Vic Gregovitz, the president of the commanders. And his head was like, whoop. He's like, I do remember you. And I was like, <laughs> when are you, when can you be on the podcast? He's like, whenever you want. And being a podcaster, like t- next week, he's yeah, like, right. okay. <laughs> And so we were the first podcast in San Antonio to actually interview Heinz Ward. And That's in the beginning, he said, I'll give you 15 minutes. The interview went 40 minutes. Wow. Wow. That's one thing I like about Heinz Ward. He seems like just a genuine person. It's watching the uh, watching the sit down between all the coaches that the XFL did. Uh, like, he just seems like he has a heart for it. It's not even about money. It's not about really anything other than he just loves football and loves helping young men develop into into grown men and chase their dreams, which is really what the XFL is all about. Like, and 
uh, for him to turn around and give back to a cause like yours just shows how much he's bought in. So I, mm-hmm. I'm a huge fan of Heinz Ward. Yeah, he's a great guy. And then um, I had told him, because in the commander days, the players would call me Mama RC. And that's, to me, uh, the biggest compliment, because I really do feel like I want to be the, the team's mom. You know, if they need something, and I tell them all the time, if y'all need something, let us know, because we have a great following. And if it comes from someone they already trust, we've been in the podcast for almost four or five years since the commanders. And even when the commanders left, we covered um, college football, we covered high school football, and then this is our third year covering arena football, the San Antonio Gunslingers. So people trust us. And so if I say, hey, you know, we're going to do this with the with the Brahmas, they know that it's, it's coming from someone who really cares. Absolutely. Uh, having the heart and, and being there for the players is, is something that uh, you know, sometimes they're not used to, but sometimes they they definitely need. Like they go in there, they see the same people every day. They see they do the same things every day. They need that variety, and they need to know that people are there and actually care for them. And an organization like yours, that that's fantastic. That's that's thank you everything thank that you. football is meant to be. Yeah. Yes. Some of these guys grow up without parent figures, mothers, yep. fathers, grandmothers. I mean, they're raised in and out of households. So it's great that you provide that for those men that need it. Hopefully we can get you some exposure. Yes, I would love that. At XFL PR, at us, get at us. XFL, get at us. If uh, you know any players' moms, I'll, I'll take dads. It could be parent to parent. It doesn't have to be mom to mom, you know. Um, some of these players may be older. I can do wife to wife. I'm a wife, you know. So I'm not saying that I only will talk to moms because the point is we have to get that connection with the fans to the players. And however we do that, with a parent, with an aunt, uncle, you know, let's work on that. So I'm open yes, to all possibilities. I don't want, and, you know, it's kind of sad because I was talking to a place like, oh, he goes, um, my mom already passed away. And I said, that's okay. I could talk to your dad or whoever. He's like, really? You could do that? I was like, yes, I could do that. I'm not just, doesn't just have to be a mom, you know. It's just the, the content of trying to brag about whoever they love. And that's really where it comes down to. Great, great thing you got going, RC. We appreciate you, whether it be our podcast or the fans. A lot of the marketing has been by the fans this year, I feel like. Um, So we're bringing the heat in most avenues, just like this podcast, Uh, just like everybody's social media, just like every news piece we share and post in our groups. We're trying to get the word out. So we thank you, RC, for your your part of the game. And I look forward to developing into something great. Oh, yeah, we'll have a great relationship. Friends of the podcast. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> Speaking of football, we've got a good show lined up this week. Um, week two came through with a lot of different things. I would like to start on some high notes instead of the bad, if that's okay with you guys. Good place to start. Yep. Yes, ma'am. So first off, let's talk about Under Armour becoming a founding corporate partner of the XFL. Didn't you guys already see that coming? I mean, you look at his shirts. I mean, it has like a Brahma. Well, thank you for that, you know. But I kind of saw like the writing on the wall, maybe. Yeah, when when every team in the league wears Under Armour <laughs> uniforms, it may be foreshadowing. <laughs> maybe just a tad. You don't have to be a genius to figure that out. Right. The, <laughs> the fans want the uniforms as well, though. And that's where the issue comes in. Yeah, there are no fan jerseys. 
Okay, yeah, maybe that's a guy thing. What's up with the jersey? I mean, they're, to me, they're very hot. I don't know about y'all. And they're kind of <laughs> thick and a little itchy. I, maybe y'all wear t-shirts underneath, but I don't, I'm not a big fan of the of the jerseys. Tell me what, well, what, you, what am I missing? Well, when you can't play, you want to live vicariously through the guys, right? You, you want to feel like you're part of the team. You, you want to be as close to the team as possible. Uh, I mean, if we're being honest, probably podcasts. Uh, for sports wouldn't exist if if it weren't for the same reasoning uh you know i, I mean a, a podcast and media credentials and things like that and all of a sudden you're really close to the team so uh it, it seems like that would be a logical next step but the xfl is going to have to prove well they don't really have to prove anything really what's going to have to happen is the xfl has to stick around long enough for for players to stick around on rosters for a while. Because when you have a league that's developmental in nature, like the XFL, you're going to lose your stars just about every year. So who are the consistent guys that are going to help run this league and run it until, until they can't run anymore? Uh, not the league, the, the actual players, right? Uh, you got a guy like Nick Hawley in Houston. Uh, the guy was part of the XFL last time. He's not a starter but he's like the spirit of the team. Uh, all The whole team gravitates towards him. The fans know him. Uh, he makes big plays when he's around the ball. But, uh, he, you know, he didn't get picked up to the, ex or to the NFL last time. So he's back again this time. So it would make sense in my eyes to have a Nick Hawley jersey available. Mm -hmm. Right? I'd buy it. Oh, I, yeah. I mean, I would be all over that. That would be cool. But... It doesn't make a lot of sense at this point in time to make jerseys available unless you did custom jerseys. I think custom jerseys would probably be the way to go. Then, if fans wanted to, they could put whatever they wanted to on the back of the jersey. Uh, you could get a Brahma Mama jersey if you wanted and run around wearing it, you know, RC. And, uh, there you go. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, that opens up more avenues for, for fans to to – not only feel like they're part of the team, but also advertise on your behalf. I think it, it, you've got to do something to get extra merchandise to the to the team or to the fans. Okay. Yeah, if you go to the games, especially the Houston games, you'll see PJ Walker jerseys everywhere from 2020. Absolutely. Everywhere. Every one of those men or women that are wearing those will buy another one as soon as they're available. Uh, I just wanted to review what exactly the expansive multi-year partnership meant for the Under Armour. Um, they're going to uh, provide the official uniforms, of course, as well as sideline apparel. So we should see some new apparel there. Uh, there's also going to be some performance apparel, youth apparel, and footwear available. It says preferred footwear. Not sure. I'm guessing that means cleats, maybe. I don't know. Slides. I I'm no. thinking like slippers. Yeah, yeah. You no. Know? That's know. something along those lines. I agree. Something something out there. Uh, maybe just some slides. Who knows? Uh, they're also supposed to do some community stuff and provide some different experiences for the community in games. Not sure what that means, but I look forward to it. Cool. Jake, you got anything to add? Well, I guess depending on how much this deal was, obviously it wasn't disclosed in the press release. 
but if it ended up being a good amount, I mean, it could definitely help uh, ensure the financial future of the league going forward. I mean, year one and making a deal like this uh, can't really scoff at it. I mean, if it's a bit really, really big deal, you know, we could see the league lasting, you know, however long they plan to do business with each other. Good point. Did you notice if any of those shirts were V-necks? <laughs> I haven't seen any V-necks for uh for the for the roughnecks, but that does not mean that they don't exist. I would I would imagine probably Pinterest or not. What's the website? Is it Pinterest? No, there's a website that that a lot of people go to to get like se- secondhand made stuff. Mm-hmm. Etsy the, maybe. With, yeah, Etsy. There you go. Yeah. Thanks for picking me up. I was I was down hardcore on that one, um, but things like Etsy are probably filling that void right now. And and not only that, people are creative enough to make their own. I mean, you see guys running around in giant sombreros and cowboy hats and all kinds of stuff at the games. So, uh, but that's my point. Like they're missing out. You know what I mean? Like women don't really like you know the higher neck. And if let's say if it was reversed, if they only sold V necks. Would you be complaining that they didn't that you don't want to wear a V-neck? Be a lot of chest hair out there for that. There you go. See? <laughs> a little bit much on the hamburger. <laughs> we kind of have to let the girls breathe a little bit. You know what I'm saying? So I mean, we need those V-necks. Right. I love it. V stands for vented. Next up, I wanted to pick on a little piece. I couldn't find too much information about this. I found an article from Marca.com. And so, guys, you may have found something better regarding payer play. I was thinking last week, guys were watching how much money are these guys making? Because I wasn't really sure. You can't really find it. Um, according to this article, ESPN, ESPN has reported that the XFL players earn $5,000 per week and a $1,000 bonus per win. So, according to this, this means that one player could make around $60,000, including potential bonuses. Now, they also have a benefit package of $20,000, uh, which includes housing and two meals a day during the season. Those I must feel- be some big meals. Those are some big guys. Yeah, yeah I mean, I've seen The Rocks. Uh, so when The Rock does his refeeds during, so he has one day where it's like a cheat day, and this guy's eating like 20 pancakes for breakfast and drinking raw egg, like just being crazy. Because he's the rock and he can do it. Yeah, like, of <laughs> right. He's the only one of us running around at his stature. Uh, there's not true. many like him. So, so as far as far as the pay goes, uh, if they're making that much money, if they're making sixty sixty k a month, not or not sixty k a month, sixty sixty k a year, yearly, yearly, yep. Yearly, but how and, many and they're only they actually playing. Right. Uh, it's only it's only until May at the latest, right? So, yeah. I mean, sixty sixty bucks for three or sixty thousand dollars for three months of pay of play, four months of work. I'm all about it. That's more. Than, I mean, if you extrapolate that over another two sets of four months, that's more than I make in a year. So, I mean, I, I'd say that's pretty 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 fair for what they're doing, you know, and then they have the chance to make the next step or the chance to come back the next season and, you know, 60,000 over, over four months, 
you know, seems like a lot of money, but that's why they're why uh, that's why they have the resources that they're that they're providing. The the league is providing, uh, like the question you asked, uh, Coach Phillips, at the at the post game presser yes, last week. Uh, you know, the the league is providing all that for that very reason. They're getting a lot of money in a small amount of time, and they can't just blow it, especially if they don't end up making the jump to the NFL. So. Uh, you know, I, I think it's more than fair what they're being paid, how they make it, you know, that extra eight months, uh, $60,000 is, is equivalent to some of the teacher pay in Texas. Uh, oh, some of the 14. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, it's not, it's not an unlivable salary if you do your money, right? No right. doubt. So, right. I mean, there is potential that they wouldn't have to do anything for the eight months if they, if they play their cards, right. But I would imagine in the off season, they're probably going to have to, you know, Maybe deliver some pizzas or something, you know. Just pick up a pick up a job, work it. Only fans? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't gonna go there, but, she... <laughs> but yeah, it's honestly I think this is a very, very fair pay scale and it's way smarter than what the XFL tried to do last time and way smarter than what the uh was it the AAFL did where a- where the AAF. AAF, the Alliance yeah. of American Football. That was bad. That was really bad. I enjoyed it. Memphis all the way. Sorry. The Silvers was there back then, too. I still love <laughs> the Commanders. Still love the Commanders. That's awesome. Yeah, that was a good league in terms of jerseys. But moving on. Oh, the next piece I want to discuss is a sensitive one for all of us XFL fans. And that is the Vegas field conditions. Oh, my Lord. Um, guys, Jake, Drew, RC, anybody, go ahead and give us a start on this. I don't even want to break the shell on this. I'm going to let somebody else go on this one. So I'm, I'm pretty particular on this. Well, I guess I'll start. Um, I was very disappointed how the field looked, it did not look professional. And I think people are watching to see how the first couple of weeks are going to go to see if they're going to continue. So I think you need to put your best foot forward. And I know they had some issues in Vegas with the field. But it was a baseball field. It didn't look good. Attendance was super low. And, of course, the rain had a lot to do with it. But um, And then when they panned to the, the fans or lack of fans, you know, I think the total was 6,000 that they had in attendance, roughly. Compare that to San Antonio, we had 24. Again, I, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but we need to show our best foot forward, if that makes sense. And one or two Cities cannot, you know, keep the attendance up for everybody. You know, even like I think the two um, football teams that played that first week, we doubled both of those. It was like 12,000 each. And then for Las Vegas to show six, it's just very disappointing. Uh, I know the weather had something to do with it, but, and I I think they have that contract for one year. And then after that, I think they're going to go play where the Raiders are playing in that dome. But in one year, I, I, I don't want to say it too loud, but are they going to get there? It's a fair That's question. Take. <laughs> yeah, the metrics were not good for for that game. Uh, the before metrics of spray painting the ground or implanting field turf, you know, as, right before play, uh, you could definitely tell some of the guys did not want to be there at first. I'm not going to mention names right now, but uh, from the game of play, I could definitely tell. In the end, can you blame them? No. Or are they getting the media attention that they want? I'm not sure. Um, regardless, if we, we we at least got football, 
and we know what needs to be improved within the XFL. And that's that's what we need to work towards. I don't think we're going to be perfect. And I think a team like San Antonio is really going to carry a team like Vegas because you're going to have to. I've also I've got a lot of reports on Facebook from guys that went and they had a really good time. Um, they they said the field conditions were bad, but in terms of fans, it was good. You could see from any angle you could go to the concession stands and get something to eat and drink and still watch the game as you were getting your item. All the bathrooms were clean, uh, empty. They had attendance. So I've heard a lot of good things in terms of people that actually attended. That's that's all I've heard good, though. So, Jake, Jake what you anything got on add? Based on what I had seen and pictures and everything, it just didn't seem good at all. Uh, I do think for the situation that they have, you know, if they have any chance of packing the stadium, they, I mean, they definitely have to do something better than what they're doing right now. I mean, it's already bad enough that you're in a former minor league stadium that fits no more than 12,500. And that's including standing room. And I mean, ultimately, if there's any chance of them renewing that agreement, the city of Las Vegas is going to have to do something to upgrade that facility. Uh, I know that there were some discussions out there that they couldn't use the facility at UNLV because some weird likely corrupt agreement that was done where they couldn't allow anybody other than UNLV sports to play there. And I'm not exactly sure what was behind the decision with the Raiders to not, you know, allow anything. Maybe that's an agreement with the city. Uh, There's a lot of stuff that's still unknown about this situation. So, I mean, they're trying to make the best of the situation. They're, uh, trying to make it cashman, but I mean, if there's any hope of staying there next year, the city's going to have to make some significant adjustments to at least try to upgrade that capacity to 25,000. So you made some good points, Jake, uh, NRC, you, you made good points too. I think. So I'm a little bit old school first when it comes to football. Um, there's no mercy for me when it comes to, oh, the field is wet. Oh, the field is crap. Uh, you know, there's high schools in Texas that have fields that are worse than that. The high school that uh, my brother graduated from or is graduating from this year has a flooding problem on the home sideline. Mm-hmm. I mean, when it rains, all all of our players are standing and getting their, their feet completely soaked. Their, their cleats are filled with water and they still have to go out there and play. Like, to me, there people want variability in football. They see a snow game and they're like, "Oh, this is wonderful," and it's it's way worse field conditions than what we saw uh, on on or over the weekend in in Las Vegas. I don't understand what the what the big deal is. Uh, everybody really kind of knew that Las Vegas was a little bit of a gamble as far as giving them a team, especially. No pun intended. Yeah, right. 
thanks for catching me on that. <laughs> uh, I didn't even realize I did that. Man, I got to be more aware. Um, <laughs> so Las Vegas right now, the capacity of that stadium being 12,500, and that's including standing room. Look at the look at the amount of tickets that are, or look at the attendance rather that that teams like Houston and Orlando and DC are bringing in. It, you're getting 10 to 12,000 people per game. It is what it is. The XFL is not really trying to sell tickets. Like that's, I mean, St. Louis is going to carry the league in ticket sales. I think everybody already knew that they did it the last time around. Houston was a lot better. Houston's kind of been a disappointment this year so far. But with that said, uh, you know, with good teams come good attendance. With good teams come uh, meet or not media attention, but uh, viewership, which we'll we'll touch on later. But Las Vegas is a team that has lost two very close games. They they're close to being a dangerous team if they can get their offensive line figured out they probably can score with just with anybody in the league no i mean they've got the weapons too they've got they've got two former pros at wide receiver luis perez is not a bad quarterback you i mean you saw him in the first half against arlington he was dropping dimes all over the field you know las vegas is is very close to being a, a good team they just have some things to figure out and it was their home opener it not it doesn't rain in Las Vegas. Yeah, man. It was Usually, raining. when it rains in Las Vegas, it evaporates before it hits the ground. Anyway, this time it was actually hitting the ground, and people are like, "Well, what the hell is this? This doesn't happen." <laughs> Monsoon. Like it was borderline apocalyptic for these people. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, filling up half the stadium, I think, more than acceptable. I mean, Los Angeles didn't really do much better last year with uh with their with their team. Uh, n- neither did Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay was not all that great. I mean, having a having a squabbler or a scraggler rather in the league is not a, really a huge deal unless it becomes a year to year thing. And I think getting them better facilities, uh, namely somewhere that they don't have to deal with the weather, will probably help attendance. It'll definitely, if the league sticks around, be something nice and on the cheap for people to do in downtown Las Vegas, which the amount of things that are cheap for family entertainment in downtown Las Vegas is very few. Uh, so, so I think it has potential to be a big draw. They just have to figure things out. And, and that's the nature of football. You're going to have teams that don't really draw that much because they're terrible. Look, look at uh, the Redskins, look at the Bengals up until a couple years ago, the Browns, the lions. I mean, it's going to be it's going to seem a lot worse than it is. It's going to seem like the sky is falling because there's only 8 teams in the league. But then you turn around and look at the Battlehawks opening the fourth level of the third or fourth level of the of the Battle Dome and you're like, "Oh, well, that solves that." I mean, the revenue's coming in and it's coming in in droves now. So that really kind of takes away the impact that the the Las Vegas uh, Vipers have. Uh, in terms of a negative standpoint, really, it just gives us more to talk about, which is good publicity. Who doesn't like seeing kickers slide 10 yards after they kicked the ball? Charlie Brown. I, like it. <laughs> I love it. I think it's great. You got you it, Jake. That what you got. And I think a lot of the problems is because, you know, looking at social media relating to the games, 
the thing where St. Louis is doing so well and Vegas is not is because when it comes to the Battle Hawks, the St. Louis uh, Convention and Visitors Bureau is promoting everything relating to the dome left and right. Las Vegas has done none of that. It's like they got all that taxpayer money from the hotel and motel taxes coming from the city of Las Vegas, and they're putting nothing toward it. They'll use it to, for the Raiders, they'll use it for the Golden Knights, but they won't use it for the Battle Hawks. I mean, not the Battle Hawks, but the uh, the Vipers. Oh, you're going to so, get killed by your fan base. <laughs> oh, I'm editing, I'm editing this out, so yeah. Well, so, now that you said you're editing it out, you got to leave it. So. <laughs> So, I mean, that that's a lot of the problem is there's just no active promotion by a Las Vegas CVC. They're doing nothing. If I remember correctly, they didn't start selling single game tickets until last month. They right. still they sold season game tickets, but they still didn't have a field. And so they couldn't sell single game tickets. But that's how the city of Las Vegas operates. If you're not a big puller already, you're not getting the same publicity that big pullers get. Like, you're not no getting doubt. Raiders poll. You're not getting the same poll that, like, Elvis impersonators get. You're not – I mean, the sites in Las Vegas are the sites. The people that they have booked that come in and do shows and all that stuff. Like, if Britney Spears has a show – I'm sorry, XFL, but Britney Spears is going to get seen more than you. It's like that's a, a given, right? Any number of play, of fans, any number of comic acts, any number of magic shows. You can't you can't match the same publicity that a city like St. Louis that doesn't really have a sports team other than the Blues uh, in NHL. You you can't expect that level of promotion. I mean, in St. Louis uh, and you're probably going to get mad at me for saying this, Jake. Actually, everyone who lives in St. Louis is probably going to hate me for this, but St. Louis is not a fun city. It's it's just not. The Cardinals are there. Okay. I mean, it's, it's a cool stadium. It's a cool thing to do. Uh, the Blues are there. They've been good recently. Still just kind of like a cool thing to do, but those are the only two cool things to do in the city, really. <laughs> oh. You have the art. <laughs> From a sports perspective, there's yeah, there's sure. not a lot to do. They love football there, though. Yes. Have you ever got to witness that yet? Yes. Yeah, yeah it's a time. They're diehard about football. I mean, they're diehard about high school football out there. It's crazy. It's borderline. I mean, they're the reason that the term fanatical exists. So they have a way different audience that they're able to cater to than people that are coming in for three days and probably going to be drunk for two and a half of those days and not even remember what they did. Jake, you got anything to add before we move on to the next segment? You know, it, it's funny. Yeah, we we love our football, but you know what? St. Louis is also the unofficial capital of soccer. Oh. The, the passion of all those fans whether it's in the city or in the county, all the, the whole metro area, east or west, and even in Illinois. I mean, most of those players that's on that team right now uh, playing for uh, City SC went right across the river at SIUE. So they're passionate about their soccer as much as they are about football, hence why they celebrated once the, the city and the county got their money from the NFL over the Rams pulling out. Well, I mean, not, 
you get that kind of money, I'd be celebrating in the street too. <laughs> money talk. Right? Always. All right, guys, let's move on to our next segment. Let's talk about the TV ratings. Jake, I feel like you are equipped to talk about this, so can we hear about it from you first? I hate to say it this week. I did not come prepared in that department. I did see some numbers, and as stated in the notes, it it was down. Um, I think the biggest issue there is um, that... Yes, these were cable numbers, not including streaming. And uh, I think our biggest issue is where the hell is our ABC game? We need to have an ABC game of the week that you you know is going to get 1.52 million listening, you know, tuning in. Go ahead and say you hate Grey's Anatomy. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly. Seriously, I, I said that. Even uh, early on that, I mean, the hell if it put the Battle Hawks on you, uh, the St. Louis people aren't going to care. They'll stay up until 1230 in the morning to watch it. Now, so it reminds me a lot of the AAF when it came through. The first game AAF had on a mainstream TV, it blew it out the water. Greatest thing ever. Supposed to be the, the newest spring football phase. The next game, it declined by half. Uh, Very similar, according to articles that are written. Uh, Right here, I have an article from Sports Business Journal by Austin Karp. Um, He notes that the league registered a 67% decline from week one to week two. And that is just on mainstream networks, as you said. I believe a lot of us are watching this on streams, whether it be YouTube, uh, ESPN Plus, Fubo, there's a lot of different streaming places. And I think from gathering from my Facebook stuff, it seems like a lot of fans are scattered. And the true fans are finding a way to watch it, and we're paying for it also. Yeah, I mean, I think we have to be real with ourselves here. There, are, Any sp- spring league has a lot of challenges facing it. It's got spring programming like American Idol that they're competing with. Uh, it's not a proven product because it's not been around in the last several iterations of just about any spring league have failed horrifically in public for everyone to see. I mean, pair that with, yes, they have star power, but these are either a guys that a lot of people probably, probably NFL fans think are washed up or, or don't have the talent anymore. You know, there it, it's a hard draw. Like you're you're really dealing with hardcore football fans that that are watching the XFL or any spring league. And you know, in my in my opinion, ratings are kind of relative. Uh, I think they've got enough backing. I mean, obviously, the Under Armour's doing plenty right now. Uh, under Armour's doing plenty right now, you know, helping just get the league out there uh, or the league image out there with the the uniforms. The uniforms this year, I think, are fantastic. The fact that uh, they've just become, you know, this big founding corporate partner of the XFL, that's going to pump a lot more money into the XFL and give it more staying power. I, I don't know. It, ratings are important, but ratings dropped from 
week one to week two in you know on in terms of average in the the second iteration of the XFL did the same thing in the USFL did the same thing AAF you know the the trend is for these ratings to go down until the quality of play picks up right when you're entering a spring league you don't know what you have on offense you, usually the defenses show up a little bit more we've seen that this uh this season so far uh, some of the teams are starting to get their offense figured out. It seemed like San Antonio took a big step forward uh, with their offense last week against Orlando. Gra- I mean, granted, Orlando is not anything great, but uh, it's a <clears throat> excuse me. To me, it's it's not a huge deal that the numbers are dropping. Once you get out of American Idol's uh, tryouts, you know things that are heavy pullers. I think you'll start to see a little bit more stabilized viewership. Uh, and, and it'll kind of match. A, you'll be able to match the numbers in attendance to that as well uh, in, in terms of what the individual markets are doing, you know, for their teams. I don't see it being a huge deal. It's going to drop for a couple of weeks until things level out. I think one thing that we have to focus on is not just to promote your team, but to really to promote the league. So on my yep. Facebook page, I said, hey, who's watching the, the Vegas game, right? I had like 35 people respond and something like, oh, I forgot about that. Thanks for reminding me. And then we were able to communicate and interact, right? So, of course, we want to have watch parties for the Brahmos. But let's think about having a watch party for a different team, you know. So I think it's it's so fresh um, that people need to be reminded there's other games out there. We need to support other teams. So not just be a fan of the city that you're the, the team is playing in, but really be an XFL fan and just remind people, hey, uh, let's all meet up at so-and-so and let's watch the game together. You have to get that interaction piece because it's new and uh, people can forget. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I think you guys have some good points. My question for anybody here, though, is come week three, if we see a sharp decline in ratings, are we to be worried? I don't think so. Uh, I mean, the the league is here to serve a purpose. I in I think it was our first episode. I made I made reference to the uh, not so subtle references that the XFL has made to a partnership with the NFL. And although nothing official has happened, the NFL has made kind of tongue in cheek references back to the XFL as well as being used for development and things like that. So I think there's a lot going on behind the scenes that fans don't know about, and that maybe some in the media don't know about. I don't see the XFL failing this time around. It's going to, there is going to be some direct competition with the USFL because the USFL's different mission is different. Uh, they're, they're out to make money. Uh, that's their plan. They're, I mean, they all played on the same exact field with eight teams last year. And now they're playing on four fields with eight teams this year. So apparently they made enough money to expand a little bit and use more facilities. But overall, uh, oh, and they made the uh, the move with the college draft that they had and b- getting rights to to players that don't make NFL rosters, so the XFL can't touch them. Uh, the USFL is smart. They're they're trying to you know keep their foot in the door when the XFL was getting ready to slam it. So, uh, but you have to have backing, and I don't I haven't heard anything from the NFL about the USFL. I haven't heard anything about USFL from the NFL. So it kind of, I don't know, I feel like there's a little bit of writing on the wall that the USFL 
although they're pretty smart in the way they're doing things, doesn't have the same backing that the XFL has. No doubt. You're right. I agree with everything. Um, my, my point is just for the fans at home, I want to make it clear that those numbers shouldn't scare you. Keep watching football, keep supporting your team, and keep supporting the XFL so we can get through this season and come back year two stronger and better than ever. Who doesn't want more football? Come on. Yeah, I mean, like you're wrong. I'm not a hater on any league. I want both to succeed. My thing is XFL has my priority because that is what's going on right now. Once USFL runs around, who knows? We may switch over. But for now, we are the XFL Insider Podcast for a reason. All right. Anything else on that before we move on? Okay. So next up, let's discuss some player injuries, drops, and acquisitions. Now, from searching the media folder from XFL, I don't see any acquisitions or drops listed. So we're just going to go ahead and skip that portion. We can talk about some injuries. Uh, would anybody like to get started with that? I do know that we had two injuries with the Brahmas. Don't ask me what players or what their names are. Maybe you all know. But I do know there was two injuries um, that were reported. Yep. So defensive end Mike Scott is dealing with a hamstring injury. Uh, he, uh, he did not participate uh, today in practice. Uh, linebacker Jordan Williams also did not participate. I believe it was a knee. And then uh, there's there's a list of uh, or a whole host of of players. I think it was six six other players that were limited today. Limited really doesn't mean a whole lot, especially on a Wednesday when you're playing yeah. on the ends. Uh, but there were three offensive linemen that were dealing with leg injuries on that limited participation list. So depending on the severity of those they could be listed limited uh to see if you know it could be a coaching game to see if houston's gonna prepare for uh their starters because one of the guys was chidi okeke right very good offensive lineman very uh it, it would definitely be somebody that houston would would game plan for mm-hmm. uh so it, it you know it who knows uh it, it could be just a little bit of coaching smoke and mirrors uh houston did had a lot of the same, or not a lot of the same. It was a couple of the same. Uh, they had two linebackers that were limited, uh, but that was the only thing on the Houston injury report. All right, let's just slide into the Orlando Guardians next. Nick Nick Cole, he was a defensive lineman. He was limited today, and then Jacoby Jones, defensive lineman, he was limited today. One was a foot. Jacoby was the groin. Um, both of them will probably play from looking at the limited status. That name sounds real familiar. I wonder if he played with the commanders. Kobe. He's I had a career. He's been a few places. Yeah. Okay. The name just stuck to me. Well, I, I wish they get better soon. I'll send a, say a prayer for them. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Um, next up, we had the Arlington Renegades. Uh, da, da, da. anything notable there? We had a tight end, Alex Ellis. He has a shoulder injury. He did not practice. Then we had a defensive lineman. Um, and now help me out with this, Drew. Tom Thomas A. Can you say that, Drew? I'm gonna rely on you, brother. Thomas A. <laughs> Lalui. Um, he hurt his back and he did not practice either. How do you spell it? Just out of curiosity. L A U. L-I-L-E. That's his last name. It may be Tomasi. T-O-M 
A-I-S-I. Oh, it's, I bet you it's a it's a Hawaiian or Pacific Islander name. It's, it's, Could be. It sounds uh, like it. Tuaimi. Uh, Tuaimi. How do you spell the last name again? I've got to figure this uh, out uh, now. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're moving on. <laughs> <laughs> we got we got to hear it once and then we'll get it going forward and on out. Um, Jake, you want to tell us about some Battle Hawks injuries? I know you got the scoop on that. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I got this from uh, Brian Stull just before uh, the show. Um, there were uh, four players that were in limited uh, activity uh, for practice: uh, Hakeem Butler, who's a wide receiver; Travis Feeney, who's a linebacker. Mike Hampton, who's a defensive back, and then Brian Hill, who's a running back. So they had some sort of activity. Uh, the only person that did not participate on Wednesday was uh, Marcel Aitman, uh, who's dealing with a hamstring injury. Uh, I think the biggest issue is going to be for D.C. this weekend because there are four players out. Uh, center Mike Maidy who did not participate Tuesday or Wednesday due to an injury to a lower eight leg. Um, two offensive linemen are out with knee injuries. Uh, Cody Conway and Ty Clary, they will not be playing. And then there's a defensive lineman, Cron Reed, with a hamstring issue. There were a few that either had limited or full participation. So they're... There's like seven or eight other players that are either probable or will be available for play this weekend. Well, I know injuries can really stir up um, the starting players. And so hopefully those injuries won't affect the games this coming up week. Definitely. Uh, I could definitely see it making a difference in D.C. There is a lot of injuries and do not did not practices across the board for them. A lot of different mixes of injuries as well. Everything from a hip adductor to a hamstring, knee, quad, pec, cervical, hamstring. Uh, everything's on this list. So hopefully they have a good trainer. Well, I'm in the medical not- field. I actually, my, I'm a speech language pathologist. So I work with a lot of occupational therapists and physical therapists. And they said conditioning is obviously one of the biggest factors when it comes to injuries. Yes, ma'am. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna skip back to um our San Antonio gunslingers. In that league, the NAL, we had the lowest percentage of um injuries and it was all due to conditioning. I I feel and also we had a a sports sports massage therapist, um Laura and she was the one I think that really reduced a lot of those injuries. Yeah, a good trainer and their staff is necessary for a successful football team. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if some of these injuries didn't come or they just came because we started play a little too fast. And that's evident in how these guys are kind of jobbing together on, on the field when they play. You see, as we go, the game of play is getting a lot better, but yeah. it's rough and choppy. Mm-hmm. Well, so the last, team oh, needs time to gel. And that's the difference between week one and week two. You could see the momentum kind of connecting with the players, definitely with the quarterbacks and the receivers. Um, so I'm looking forward to this third week 
because I think that more the more time they spend together, I know they're all in Arlington, right? But I think actual playing time, you know, with pads on, I think it makes a huge difference. No doubt. Yeah, Last up. I'm sorry, go ahead. Sorry, no, you're fine. Just one little thing. I mean, to, to kind of back up her point, strength and conditioning is something that you do year round. And if you don't have a dedicated coach, which a lot of these guys can't afford a dedicated coach by themselves, right? Because they've kind of been either out of a job or uh, in the spring league or in the USFL where they're only getting paid a certain amount of money. You can't afford a strength and conditioning coach. You might have connections at a, at a college or something where you can go work out and stuff. But a lot of these guys probably don't have access to that. So you're coming in. Uh, base, I won't say cold because I'm sure they're all working out trying to stay in shape, uh, but they're all coming in and not being on a program for, you know, in some cases, two, three years, like you're going to have problems. So, so honestly, this is a, this is a chance to shine for some of these, uh, for some of these sports training teams. Uh, I mean, look at, uh, so right now, San Antonio has got a lot of people on their list, like they're either either they're really good at their job or they're getting training on it right now like you know <laughs> so uh yeah it's it's a very important thing you see a, at the college level you see a lot of strength and conditioning coaches get fired because they're starting to have injuries it's affecting championship runs or or even you know getting to a 10 win season and uh, there's a lot of money that gets thrown around in contracts because of of mm-hmm. incentives like that so, you know, sports trainers and strength and conditioning coaches are, are all very important to the drive behind a, a team. Right. And then just to say, my friend, uh, Laura Valdez, she did the, does the sports stretch. And she actually working with one of the quarterbacks here in San Antonio. And they had asked some of his players had asked them, well, we have one there on, at UT, you know, UTSA. Why don't you use that one? That one therapist for the whole team, you know what I mean? Yep. Or two yep. or three. You need to have that individual person working on your body to see your strengths, your weaknesses. And so um, I'm just going to put that out there, you know, and if you're only making 60000 you can afford maybe some one-on-one sports stretch, you know, during that week. I think they practice Monday through Thursday, so depending on the schedule. So they do have Fridays off. That may be a good a good time to, um, to look into, you know, a personal trainer like Laura Valdez. Chad Ochocinco did uh, did yoga for the longest time and got a lot a lot of kind of side eyed looks from some of his players, but he didn't have a lot of injury problems in his career and he sure. played for a long time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, guys, I like the takes. I agree. Trainers are necessary. Athletic trainers are necessary. Lastly, let's talk about the Seattle Sea Dragons. Um, I am seeing a lot of injuries on their list. They had four guys that did not practice. Trayvon Hester, Brandon Knox, Austin Feoli, and TJ Hammonds. I'm sorry, not TJ Hammonds, Roe Ferris. Um, Each look like they're dealing with a leg injury of some kind. Uh, Then we had two limited for Austin Feoli and TJ Hammonds. They were limited. They had knee and ankle injuries. Anybody else want to cover the Vegas Vipers? No? Okay. <laughs> I think this uh, is listed with a broken pride. Uh, <laughs> that's about it. Um, the problem with the Vipers is Sweeting is on this list as limited. That may be a veteran rest day 
um, or uh, we hope, because he's a necessary part of their receiving core. Um, in terms of did not practice, there were two players, Marwin Evans, defensive back, and then Destiny Vaui, who's a defensive tackle. You know, I, I don't know if you have numbers on, say, the Battlehawks played San Antonio on Sunday, and they had a quick turnaround and had a play um, on Thursday. I wonder if that quick turnaround, that less days to rest, made an effect on the injury list. That would be a good statistic to, to see, um, right. you know, about if that makes a difference. Well, you know, um, looking at it, it, it's theirs is one of the moderately short ones compared to the other teams, uh, especially D.C. D.C.'s got a pretty significant names down that list that could really affect their roster. Um, some of the ones for St. Louis – Mostly skill players, and then a couple of key defensive backs. All right, guys. Before we move on to review last week's matchups, do we want to mention anything else about news updates? Anything that the fans at home should know? Well, unfortunately, I'm going to have to say goodbye right now. But again, um, everyone listen to our podcast, Smoking Guns Podcast. It's smoking no G guns with a Z. Um, uh, join the Brahma Mamas. You know we're open to everybody and um if you guys can find some of those players moms send them my way um on facebook i'm rc woods or you can contact us on our, on our podcast and it was a pleasure you guys are great i wish you guys would invite me in maybe one more time like later towards the end and we can talk about um the progress that we've made i definitely yeah we're, we're excited we're glad you came on you are our first official off off staff guest so Thank you for coming on and being a guinea pig for us. Um, Great. I love being called a guinea pig. That's what everyone wants to be called. But thank you. Appreciate it. And I guess I'm your first female, right? Female guinea pig. Is there a name for that? I don't know. I definitely, we definitely wanted you to get, I, I wanted you to get you on because you were a female. I thought that was important. The fact that there was a female fan that wanted to talk on a podcast was enough for me to bring you on without even knowing your background. So I'm glad you came, and I appreciate everything you've Anytime. talked about and doing. I'm Me and Drew, we should and we should part. try to find each other this weekend. We'll all no, be. Please here. do. Yeah, you have my contact information. Yes, ma'am. I'm getting there Sunday, kind of early. I don't know what your schedule is, but and I'm we're spending the night too. Um, my two podcast brothers, Philip and Leo, they so that would be great if we could all meet up. Yes, yeah. ma'am. Drew and I will be in the booth. Um, We'll be down in the field doing some stuff, but we'll definitely find you. I'm, I assure you, we will find you and, and introduce ourselves in person. Forward. <laughs> I don't know about all that. You tried. You tried. <laughs> I tried to squeeze it in. I tried, right? Y'all Thank have you a good again, night. RC. I appreciate you. Bye-bye. I always say bang, bang at the end of my thing. I got almost a bang, bang, and then Leo goes, well, I don't know if that blowing is working very good, but bang, bang. <laughs> <laughs> Later, RC. Have a good night. Bye bye.
All right, fellas. Darcy has left us. What a wonderful guest. I'm glad she came on. She had some good points. Yeah, I'm excited to meet her and the fan group that she's involved with. Okay, now let's review last week's matchups. I'm going to start with the best one, in my opinion. The St. Louis Battlehawks versus the Seattle Sea Dragons. The Battlehawks beat the Sea Dragons 20-18 to in another last-second finish. Jake, let's hear from you. Let's just say, what is it with St. Louis and two-minute football uh, to pull for the second week in a row a come-from-behind comeback like this? This one with a field goal from Hageman that uh, ultimately decided the score 2018. situation before so it's mostly just mental you know just uh, staying calm and relaxed and just knowing it's just another kick not thinking about it being the last kick of the game uh, just taking it as another kick and uh, going through my steps of being in the net doing what I need to do and just staying focused and just banging. And I guess can you talk about just I guess that kicker's mentality of having a short memory where whatever happened before doesn't yeah, that really played a, a part in today, I'd say. Um, you know, the first the first kick, um, unfortunately, they gave us a QB ball on that kick. Uh, I don't know what they were doing on that sideline, but almost every single field goal, they were trying to get a QB ball in there instead of a kicker ball. I don't know why. Nobody else seemed to have a problem with that. Um, but, yeah, the first kick, just had a QB ball, hit off the upright, hit it weird. Um, and obviously uh, came up short on the 50, just wanted to hit it straight. And I did, I thought I had it, had enough, but uh, that cold weather and those light, really light XFL balls that we have, um, just didn't make it there. But yeah, I had to stay up. Coach Beck came up to me um, when Seattle was driving on their last drive before they scored a touchdown. And he came up to me and said, hey, you're gonna have one more kick, be ready. I said, yes, sir. So uh, I went down, warmed up a little bit. Uh, and uh, just stayed ready mentally and physically. See, so Hakeem Butler caught his second touchdown pass of the season. See, uh, also finished with a team high four catches and 61 yards. Uh, McCarron scored the first uh, rushing touchdown of his career on a one-yard run in the second quarter. Uh, Previously being able to accomplish such a task with Houston in 2019 and, of course, three during his collegiate career at Bama. Uh, let's So, LaCal London forced a fumble in both the third and fourth quarters with both fumbles uh, recovered by Atkins and Jennings. Uh, so far this year, uh, St. Louis has won the turnover battle and now has a 5-0 and margin for the season, and they're still the only team in the league that has yet to commit a turnover. And, of course, they've scored 24 of their 38 total points this season in the fourth quarter. Two-minute special. They're, they're rolling. 
McCarron is looking like the best quarterback in the XFL right now. I won't say that next week, but right now he, he he's looking pretty good. He's definitely looking a lot better than Jordan Tamu is doing it, you know, in DC this year. I mean, you know, just uh, I mean, <laughs> I think Jordan wants to be in St. Louis. That's just my opinion. Oh, I'm sure he does. It just didn't quite work out that way. All right, Jake, before we move on, you got anything to add? Nope, just glad that they're one of the teams that are 2-0 and going into week three. Yes, sir. Can we talk about Seattle for a second? Like, do they realize that there's more than just the first quarter and half of the second quarter that they're allowed to play? Like, <laughs> I mean, these guys start off hot and then they just fall off a cliff constantly. And now... Again, that has a lot to do with their offensive line just not being cohesive whatsoever. Ben DiNucci is like a criminal on the run constantly. Even that first touchdown, he he was running for his life. He just kind of flipped it like an option pitch to to Josh Gordon. And it was ugly, but it worked. They scored. Great. Uh, They made some big plays in the first half or the first uh, quarter. And then St. Louis clamped down on defense and absolutely, really, I mean, yes, St. Louis had to come back to win, but the dominance that St. Louis had on defense did, didn't, like, that's not the story that the score tells. Uh, St. Louis really controlled vast swaths of that game, especially in the second half. Yeah, Seattle will have to step their game up if they want to get any wins this year. Unless it's against the Guardians. No. <laughs> uh, I don't know, because, I mean, at this point, they can't. Uh, so one thing Orlando has is Orlando has a decent a decent front seven, right, on defense. And if if Seattle can't block them, Orlando, Orlando might pick up a win against them. I, I mean, it's it's bad because... Seattle's got such potential on that offense and they just do nothing. And then they have a really good defense that doesn't let the team score a whole lot. And they're on the field constantly, just constantly. And by the time the second half gets there, those guys are gassed. They've got, they've got nothing left in the tank. So, so what do they have going for them? Like, it's not a, it's not a good situation in Seattle right now if they can't figure out that offensive line. There will be a point where Danucci will get hurt if if they don't clean it up, and oh, yeah. without him, they're lost. I don't yep. believe they can play. All right, next up, we're going to move into the DC Defenders versus the Las Vegas Vipers. The DC Defenders beat the Vipers eighteen to six. Let's skip around the field conditions unless it's related to what we're talking about. Okay, Phyllis, let's talk about play. You got anything to add, Drew? So the field conditions sucked. Uh, <laughs> no doubt. We know this. <laughs> no, uh, so DC has the potential to be a very, very good team. They've got to figure out which direction they're going on offense. They've got to figure out who they trust or they have to figure out how to make the Tiamu and Derek King duo work like Houston is doing with uh, Silvers and Cole McDonald. The, the experimentation, is, they give them full drives 
they then they switch them to a couple of plays a piece and it, like they just seems disjointed it doesn't even seem sit, like their situational play calling and luckily Las Vegas's defense constantly stays on the field uh so you know they those guys were gassed uh by the time the second half came around DC's defense is I mean they showed yet again who they are uh, really clamped down on the Vipers. Didn't let Luis Perez do very much outside of that first touchdown. Uh, I mean, not a whole lot to take away from this game. It was one of those ugly games. Everyone knew it was going to be ugly because, you know, like we discussed uh, before, the field conditions, blah, blah, blah. No excuses, though. And D.C. came out and played like there were no excuses for the game. And that's why they won. Yeah, I don't have anything to add on that. I think you're correct. There was a lot of fumbles, but we can relate that to the weather. It was very bad. A lot of rain. Yes, Jake, what you got? You know, just like uh, Drew had said, I mean, there is a lot of opportunity that's kind of untapped for Las Vegas right now. They just need to get their act together and figure out how to best execute this playbook because, and I'm going to be saucy right now, (laughs) <laughs> right now, based on the uh, the execution department, they're acting exactly like their fans, and I'm going to say it: <laughs> they are put, they are literally crapping themselves standing up, nope. and they they need to they need to get their act together. Otherwise, they're going to start. It's going to end up coming to who's going to be the worst this season between them and the Guardians. And right now, it it's not looking good for either of them right now. Yeah, and you're totally right. I'm not even there's, I mean, the one thing I will say for the Vipers is they have hope on that offense if they can block for Perez. The problem is they can't. It's the same story as the the Dragons, except the Dragons actually have the ability to score somehow. But only God knows how, but somehow they score points. So they make it difficult on teams. Uh, Las Vegas has that same ability. I mean, They've got huge playmakers on that defense like Vic Beasley. The Las Vegas defense is nothing to be sneezed at, you know, for the for the first half. In the second half, it's almost like nobody's there because they've basically played an entire game already. So, it, you know, at least Seattle's defense gets a quarter and a half break where they don't have to do anything up front, right? So, I mean, but you are you're definitely right. If they can't figure out that offensive line, they're they're in a slap fight with the Guardians at the bottom. Yeah, they pulled Luis Perez from the game after the half, correct? Was was it for the rest of the game or was it just for a little while? I did I didn't know if he just came out and started or didn't start after the half or and he came back or if he just stayed out. I um, think he came back. I cuz I saw I remember seeing him pretty uh pretty upset in the second half. But uh, granted Luis Perez, uh, you know, <laughs> if you're listening Luis, I don't I don't mean this in any mean way. It just he kind of looks upset a lot. Like that's just kind of <laughs> just kind of the face he has. Like some people, some people just have that face. It, like it's nothing bad. I'm sure he's a good dude. He just looks upset a lot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh boy, hot take by Drew Wills. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got plenty of them. <laughs> All right, let's slide into the San Antonio Brahmas versus the Orlando Guardians. The Brahmas beat the Guardians 30-12. to 12. It started off slow for the Brahmas. After the half, they came out swinging. Let's fill us in, guys. What you got? 
Yeah, so I heard reports that uh, the hired security in the stands for the Orlando Guardians was pinning 20s to the collar of fans and putting them on the field and giving them uniforms uh, to play because Coach Buckley wanted new players. Welcome back to Orlando here with Coach Buckley. Coach, how do you change this momentum? we got to get different guys in there. Obviously, we got, I got guys out there that are not competing, that are not making plays. So we got to get people in there, young men that want to play. They want to compete and make plays. I just saw you walk up and down this sideline and look some guys in their faces. What did you see out of your team? I'm seeing guys not performing. Look at the scoreboard. They got to perform. Thank you, Coach. Thank you. (laughs) No, uh, so here's the thing. With Orlando, so, well, first I'll start off positive. San Antonio really came alive. Jack Cohn really lit it up. He showed that he's a competent quarterback. He's just got to be protected. Uh, and he's and he's got to have the right play calls. And I think they finally got that together. They finally put together a competent performance. And San Antonio is is kind of on the rise in the league. Uh, I mean, the, the score is very similar to what Houston did to Orlando. Uh, San Antonio played really good defense the entire game, and and played really good offense, especially especially kind of towards the middle of the game. Uh, both sides of the half. Orlando, on the other hand, has a a massive culture situation on their hands. Um, when you start calling out players publicly to the media on national TV live and questioning their dedication when the entire premise of the league is a second chance, that's a good way to get people to quit on you. And I quote, let me quote quote coach buckley real quick we got to get people in there that want to play yep that's final statement of that interview yep and and you know to be honest i don't necessarily disagree with him i think he's 100 percent right i don't think he has the standing as a first-year head coach to be making statements like that i don't think he has the standing with the way that the xfl is uh, as far as their stated goal to say things like that uh, that doesn't align with anything that that the Rock or Danny Garcia stand for. Uh, you know, I understand he's trying to teach personal accountability, but there's better ways to go about that. You address that privately. You don't run up and down the sidelines and you know shake your finger at players. Uh, although it was funny when Eli Rogers said, uh, "I'm not coming out of the game," and he said, "This ain't your team," to Eli Rogers. Yeah, I thought yeah. that was fantastic. Uh, that's classic coaching. Uh, but I mean, th- there does come a point on football teams where it's a it's a watershed moment, right? You've got to figure out who you are, and you've got to figure out what's going wrong. And I don't think two weeks into the season is time to do that, especially in a, a league where you're not having, you know, months worth of training camps and and preseason and stuff like that to work out the kinks like the NFL gets. These guys had a month, maybe two. Uh, you don't, you don't get to just jump straight to the players. You better start evaluating your coaching, your coaching staff, and yourself as a head coach. Uh, how can you dumb down playbooks? Not necessarily that the players are dumb and need it, but when you're when you simplify things, generally good things happen. Um, it, there's just a lot going on in Orlando, and I'm going to be interested to see if the players have fixed anything 
uh, because DeAndre Francois seemed like he wanted to, like he was stepping up and trying to be a leader. Like he, he was one of the many FCC fines collected by the XFL this week for f bombs because he told a he told an offensive lineman to shut the f up and listen to the play call instead of trying to play, call plays himself. So it seems like yes, there are there is some some player individualism going on, acting outside of the team concept, but at the same time. If that's going on on your team, you as a coach have somehow allowed that. So it, it, there's a lot of inward reflection that needs to go be going on in Orlando. What you got, Jake? Any any feels on that? You know, um, the just the act of throwing your players under the bus not a good light, especially you're doing it on national television. I mean, not near as serious as if it was on ABC, but still bad enough that it was on cable. And I just have a feeling that either The Rock or Danny Garcia had a conference with him at some point after uh, that game saying, hey, this is not how we should be doing things around here because it, it did seem like in the post-game press conference, he kind of changed his tune a little bit. I'm still disappointed, but not near as harsh as he was at halftime. Yeah, I think uh, as a coach, uh, so, you know, being around coaches, uh, playing sports, uh, a lot of us know coaches say things sometimes and they either don't mean it or they're caught up in the moment there's a lot of reasons coaches do things and a good coach will, when he messes up, he'll stand in front of his team and he'll apologize, but he won't leave it at an apology. He'll say that there's definitely work to do and it takes all of us, including me to do that work. And I, with somebody like Terrell Buckley, uh, you could see that he meant what he was saying in the, in the big coaches sit down before the season started for the XFL, uh, just like the other th- the the other seven coaches, I mean, he genuinely wants to help these these guys. And uh, you know, all coaches have different styles. His style seems probably a little bit anti- antiquated. But with that said, the intent to help them is there, and he can. I think somebody like Terrell Buckley, who had such a long NFL career, such a successful uh, career, making people around him better. I think that he is learning on the fly. I think that he probably can adjust and probably made a major adjustment by himself. I don't know that, uh, you know, you may be right. The rock and Danny may have been like, Hey bro, like you need to chill it out a little bit on the sidelines. I don't necessarily see them being micromanagers though. Their, their, their whole thing with this league has been like, we're getting the best of the best and they can go do what they do. We are not coaches. We are not football players. We just want to help uh, football players and coaches, you know, get to the next level. That's what we want to do. So I don't, I mean, could it have happened? Sure. I don't necessarily think it happened. I, I think either Terrell really took, that 30 minute cool down time before the media gets to ask any questions and did some self-reflection and talked to his team and, and, you know, said, Hey, look, I was wrong, but we have some problems and we need to fix them. Or he had a coach be like, Hey coach, you were way out of line. And he's like, Oh man, you know what? You're totally right. And then did the same thing. Uh, 
you know, you, you don't get to be a professional coach at any level without having some level of ability to self-reflect unless you're Bobby Petrino. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> that come out <laughs> I will say the fans in Orlando want it and they want it bad. Yeah. You can see on Facebook as well as in the game, they were ready to go and they're going to support their team. So if those guys don't want to play, they do need to get guys that will because the franchise can survive there and be successful. No, absolutely. I mean, it was loud there the entire game. It really was because there was several times that the the Guardians had the ball in uh, scoring position and just couldn't do anything with it. So, I mean, the Guardians have a following. That's not a, a question at all. It's a matter of them getting their, their stuff together and – I mean, when you have a culture problem, it takes a lot to get that together. All right. Lastly, for our matchups, let's discuss the Arlington Renegades versus the Houston Roughnecks. The Roughnecks beat the Renegades 23-14 in a home matchup. I was there, witnessed it. It was great. I can't wait to go back. (laughs) (laughs) Drew, let's get your take on that. I want to ask you a question. Were Were you on the edge of your seat at any point during that game? Um, are we talking about on a few of the turnovers? I'm talking about everything that Houston did to themselves that didn't even take them out. Like, they did so much to lose that game and still pulled it out. They still came back together and still f- figured out a way to score and win. Uh, that was a hard game to watch, whether you were a fan of either team. Uh, the first half was fantastic. The second half was horrible. Uh, the first quarter, all Roughnecks. Second quarter, all Arlington. Arlington went up at the half by three, and then Houston's defense came through and just absolutely ran right through that offensive line. Uh, Plitt couldn't get anything going. They shut the tight end down that had hurt them in the first half. One of those two touchdowns that the Renegades had was a blown coverage. I mean, it, it was it was a blown man coverage. The guy straight up didn't know what like who he was supposed to cover. So really the score probably should have been a little bit more like 23 to six, but you could say the same thing with, with Arlington. I mean, we, had, the Roughnecks had two muffed punt or not even muffed punts, just straight up fumbles. One of them took a really crazy bounce and actually went farther upfield for Arlington. Uh, I mean, it, it was a crazy game. It had pretty much everything that you would, you would want to see in it or that you would not want to see. And it was for both teams. So it was really up and down. Not exactly the kind of game that I thought was going to happen. Um, I, I did not hit the over. So I am now three and one with my picks across across two weeks. I'm very sad to announce my first loss of the year. Uh, <laughs> but I will bounce back. I will recover. And uh, I will win you guys some more money. Please win it for me. I'm, I'm not doing too well. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I thought that was a good game. There were a lot of turnovers. I was happy to see Cole McDonald get some play time. Yes. He he did good on the ground. He had, let's see, da, 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 da. he had 12 rush yeah, twelve rush attempts for 42 yards. So mm-hmm. that's not bad for a quarterback. Uh, Max Borgie, he got in there and got a score. So we got to see him in action. Uh, these are names that you will see more of in Houston and that you should just get accustomed to because they are athletes. 
there was one thing I wanted to bring up that I so I posted on Twitter. Uh, so I, I basically uh, congratulated uh, Garrett Owens on basically just bulldozing two or three people to get a first down towards the end of the game and seal it for Houston uh, right in front of, of Cole McDonald. Basically, Cole McDonald ran right up to the back of Garrett Owens, and Garrett Owens was already pushing, and Cole McDonald, who is not a small human being either, just put his shoulder down in, in the, the middle of Garrett Owens's back and pushed. And it was like bowling for losers. There was Arlington players on the ground everywhere, and uh, both both uh, Garrett and Cole – uh, liked my my little shout out to him on on social media. Uh, I mean, it, one thing that was cool. I'm just gonna shout out all our guys. So uh, do it, Bryson Aileen. He looked explosive with the few carries that he had. I mean, I so I was watching film on him before the season. And I'm like, okay, this guy's good, but I don't know if he's like that. No, he is that good. That guy is absolutely explosive. He accelerates quickly. He stops on a dime. He finds the hole. And for, for how small he is, he runs with power. Uh, he's elusive. I really want to see an expanded role for him in the in the offense behind Mac, Max Borgie. Um, Brandon Silvers, I mean, he had a gutsy performance. That guy was getting hit from every angle, every angle. I thought that – I honestly thought that Arlington was going to Troy Aikman, Brandon Silvers. Like, just – Force him out of the league due to concussion. He <laughs> hammered all night. He took probably five D cleaters and stood in there and made throws. Some of them were off. Some of them were on point in dimes. But uh, really one of the more gutsy performances I've seen by a quarterback in a long time in any league. Yeah, we, we had some more John Trey Kirkland. He was out there doing his thing. John Trey, yep. And Nick Holly, he got an appearance. It was nice to see him finally get out there and do something. Um, he he was in the press conference afterwards, very excited that he finally got some play time. And after that play time, I am very confident we're going to see him playing in Houston a lot more. Yep. Yep. Man, John Trey Kirkland, LSU repping and gritty stepping, man. That guy has turned out to be a playmaker. If you remember during uh, episode one of our podcast, I called him out as kind of a surprise to make the starting roster. Well, there's no surprise now. It's ar- it's arguable that he's the, be- the best receiver on the roster between him and uh, Deontay Burnett. Cedric Bird also got him a score in this game. Yep, Bird's first score of the year. Yep. Jake, there's what a- you got? Well, I think the big thing to take out of uh, this is Houston's now the only team in Texas that's undefeated. Uh, I'm not sure what they're going to name their cup. They're going to call it the Lone Star Cup or the Tom Landry Trophy or whatever, but Houston's definitely in the lead in those standings. According to some Twitter posts, uh, it shall be known as the Texas Showdown. 2.0. 2.0. I don't know the accuracy of that, but I'd be curious to see. Texas Showdown and Texas Throwdown. I kind of yep, like yep. Throwdown better. It's I do. Like, it's catchy. It's catchy. There's six games, it's, so it's not like a one-off thing. I don't know. I, I kind of like Throwdown better, but that no, it's whatever. It's whatever the fans make it. <laughs> we have three 2-0 teams in the XFL right now. That is the D.C. Defenders, the St. Louis Battlehawks, and the Houston Roughnecks. Yeah. Out of those three, 
I think we know who's favorable. I don't know. I think there's still some outsiders. Like San Antonio is kind of an outsider right now. If that offense really has picked up and it wasn't just the Guardians being a doormat, then uh, San Antonio's got a real – they're a real threat to to those top three teams in the league right now. Uh, also, Arlington. Like you guys saw how they played Houston. They played Houston tough. They played them very close. Uh, it could have been a blowout. Arlington could have won. It was a it was a crazy game, and Arlington hung in there because of their defense. Their offense found some some plays in the first half, uh, but they couldn't sustain it the whole game. So I mean, it, it's like RC was saying earlier. So the, so the quarterbacks and receivers are are getting a little bit more familiar with each other, and it's starting to show. Uh, you know, McCarron uh, was a little bit. Uh, Rusty, the the connection between him and his receivers was a little bit rusty in the in the first game uh, against uh, who was it was it San Antonio that yeah it was San Antonio uh, until the fourth quarter uh, he showed a little bit more flash throughout the throughout the game this past week against Seattle uh, even Orlando was putting together some good passes uh, some good some decent ball movement. Uh, Arlington, like I said, had that good second quarter. Houston, uh, they had probably two, two and a half quarters where their offense was pretty good. So the the overall offensive play in the league is on the up and up, uh, it seems like. And that that really spells more success for the league in my eyes. Better play, more fans to watch. No doubt about it. I told you guys last week when we were talking, San Antonio was going to come out with something to prove, and they did. No oh, doubt. You were right. They, they came out from the from the jump. Between the two guys they got at running back, I, I believe they're going to be a good team. I mean, those both guys, of those guys are studs. Those shouldn't be real human beings. Those guys <laughs> are massive. I would like to meet them in person and just shake their hand. Do Caleb a little comparison. Looks, looks like a literal army tank. He's just massive. I believe he hasn't got on fire yet either. He's still got some time to develop, yep. and we're going to see him take off. Yep. The more that offensive line gels in the run blocking game, uh, he's he's going to see success. I mean, he had a great game the first game. Was it, what do you have, 85 yards, I think, on 20-something carries? Yeah, he had a really good game. Yeah, Nothing super. compared to this one. No. But no he they was splitting carries, game. though. He was, he was splitting carries with, is it Tolliver, I believe? No, I think Tolliver is Tolliver the man. Now you got me questioning myself. <laughs> <laughs> hey, as we go, we're learning. Uh, right. I know this week we're a lot faster and on the draw than what we were. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, and I mean, they are splitting. They were splitting carries, but I think that was part of the uh, part of the the game plan. You can't just give a guy twenty carries anymore. Those days are done, especially running from the shotgun. Uh, you know, a play can end in the backfield and, you know, five yards back, six yards back, just because you're already starting there. Uh, the, the days of, you know, lining up Sean Alexander in a weak eye formation and running him off tackle are just, it, that's not a thing. Uh, you have to protect your, <clears throat> excuse me, you have to protect your running backs. They have a low shelf life to begin with. And you've got to keep them healthy and you've got to keep them from being winded. So, you don't, you know, they gave him 20 carries in the first game. 
because that was their game plan. That was they. That was what they thought their identity was. Jack Cohn shoot, uh, showed flashes of what he can do. So uh, even though he didn't have a great game, they really rallied around him and gave him a game plan that made him successful in this game. So it took a lot of pressure off the running backs. They tried to establish the run early. Wasn't really working for them, and it opened up things for Jack Cohn. So, you know, the, those guys, just because they didn't have a great week, those two running backs, that means absolutely nothing. They're they're going to thrash some people over over the next eight weeks. Let's move on to this week's matchups. First up, let's talk about the Seattle Sea Dragons at Las Vegas, Saturday at 6 p.m. This is our only Saturday game slot of this week. Anybody want to share their insight? So this is Slap Fight Episode 1 until <laughs> either of these two teams play Orlando. Um, no, really, I, I think Seattle's fixing to... Fixing to beat las vegas it'll probably be something similar to 18 to 6 like they had with the defenders just because like i said las vegas has has some horses on defense they can play problem is they're out there all the time las vegas unless they do something miraculous with their offensive line isn't going to be able to keep uh keep the ball very long against that that sea dragons defense now this is one of those times where I also say proceed with caution a little bit because Seattle kind of has the same problem, but Seattle has actually shown the ability to score on top of having that problem. Ben DiNucci is a playmaker. Uh, Josh Gordon playmaker. They've got playmakers on that team and, and not just those two guys either. They're if, if I've said this on both po- uh, podcasts before this, if Seattle ever figures out the offensive line, they're winning the league. And I don't think anybody can stop them. Uh, even Houston, but I mean, if they if they really figure that offensive line out, nobody can stop them. There's n- they're just gonna score at will. They're gonna throw the ball everywhere. Uh, they're gonna really let loose a, uh, on, with June Jones and let him run a true a true uh, offense like he did in in Houston in 2020, and it's just gonna be unstoppable. Uh, Las Vegas has the same the same potential, but they don't have the I don't know that they have the same level of coaching that uh, that Seattle does. Seattle really has an all name team, especially on offense. Uh, Las Vegas just doesn't have the horses to stay with them in the end for me. 
Understood. Jake, you got any comments before we move on? You know, I pretty much agree with everything Drew said. I thought I th- would uh, be able to try to come up with something in disagreement, but we're ca- talking about the Vipers here. They've <laughs> stunk it up the last two weeks while crapping themselves in the process. And I just, I just don't, I just don't see them. I don't see this change in this week either. I, I really think that Seattle's going to learn from their mistakes and pull off a win. I guess that's why the bathrooms were so clean in Vegas. <laughs> yeah, the six thousand fans that showed up ruined the other six thousand seats in the stadium. So, don't hate me, Vegas fans. We love you. <laughs> We just gotta so, give you a hard time. We really do, uh, you know. So, uh, on the real, like Las Vegas has a lot of potential, not only as a team in and of itself, but the fan. Like, if if Las Vegas gets behind you, Las Vegas gets behind you. Like, that's I don't think anybody questions that. Uh, and and Las Vegas has a lot of potential on their team. They're fun to watch. They were fun to watch the first week against Arlington. They almost won. So, uh, I mean. It's not like they're just a trash team. Really, none of these teams are trash teams except Orlando, in my in my very humble opinion. <laughs> but, Hot takes are tonight. I know, right? But but seriously, I mean, Orlando's got problems that no other team has in the league. So, it, I mean, it's understandable that they're at the bottom. They're having those problems until they get them fixed. They do have the talent to come out of it and really put together a good end to the season. And I know I'm talking like it's over at, at week two. Who knows? They could come back and win win the next, you know, four or five games and really have us turned upside down. Uh, but but speaking specifically of Las Vegas, uh, they're they're close to man. Uh, these these two teams are really close to being really good teams. And and it's a little bit upsetting from a fan perspective because it kind of brings down the quality of the league. But it's also like this is a good game. For the XFL because one of these guys has to win. One of these teams has to win. The XFL doesn't do ties. So yes, sir. This is. I mean, it's it's at the lower end of the league, but there's drama here. So yeah, I mean, it's a good it's a good a good matchup at a good time, especially when people are freaking out about ratings and attendance and stuff like that. Yes, sir. Agreed. All right, let's move on to the St. Louis Battlehawks at the DC Defenders. That game is Sunday at 12. We have three games at the 12 o'clock slot. 12, 3, and 7. This game is 12 p.m. Jake, take it from here. I think it all comes down to who's going to be healthy enough uh, to make it to Sunday. Uh, I mean, we discussed the injury update for that game. It doesn't look so bad on the Battlehawks end, but will there be enough people that will be healthy enough for Sunday on the DC end, especially the key people on the O-line and some of the defenders? If they can't keep them healthy uh, going into Sunday, then they may be struggling against St. Louis. And I hate that for any team, even if it was the Battle Hawks. But if you're you're, you're if you're down twelve people due to limited or um, injuries or any potential detriment where they might not even play on Sunday, it's never good. 
So, I mean, maybe some of DC's players, uh, you know, improve going the next three days of training. Because um, we're recording this on Wednesday. That's why I'm saying the next three days. Whether, you know, there will be, you know, these 12 or 13 on the list may end up only being five. It's hard to tell. You still got time to go through and go through with uh, the uh, therapist and all that you have to do to potentially get the green light to go back on the field. But for certain, we know there's four players out. Yeah, uh, you're 100% right. Injuries are going to play a big a big role. Whoever, I mean, I, I'm, I don't remember clearly uh, all of the D.C. Las Vegas game. Uh, but I do remember seeing one of their defenders really needing a lot of help, uh, or not one of their defenders, one of the defenders, an offensive lineman, uh, really needing help to get off the field. Anytime you lose an offensive lineman, especially in a league uh, like this, where it, or really any league where offensive line talent comes as at a premium, you're, you're going to have a hard time replacing them. So, uh, DC's kind of at a disadvantage a little bit, uh, but the beer snake overcomes all disadvantages. I mean, if we're being honest, those fans are going to be absolutely raucous. St. Louis is, is, you know, this iteration of St. Louis doesn't know what it's like to play in, in the Battle Dome yet. So to them, this this game is going to be the toughest game that they've had with communication because it's going to be loud. Uh, there's there's going to be a lot of people there. They're going to be hopefully throwing lemons, uh, hint, hint, Washington, don't screw up another fan or another team. Uh, free the snake. Yep, free the snake, leave it free, let it be. Uh, but honestly, I, th- I do think St. Louis is going to win. Uh, I don't, unless DC has figured something out with, with the Tiamu and Derek King situation, uh, really both of those guys only seem to be able to do one thing effectively and honestly i'm i'm not very high on talmud this year uh he just hasn't he hasn't played to the same level that he played in the 2020 version which really confuses me honestly because he came out absolutely hot in 2020 and was it was him and it was pj walker and there it was basically nobody else in the league and now it seems like he's having trouble finding that mojo, finding finding a way to get things going. Whereas AJ McCarron is a seasoned NFL pro, uh, who, as The Rock pointed out, took less money to to you know come down and be a part of this, and not just help himself and prove himself, but to work for his kids, to let his kids see him play. You know, really looking out for his family and also to help other people in the in the XFL get to their dreams. Uh, the guys complete on and off the field. You could see on the on the drives that the Battlehawks had last week, you could see him. He didn't get upset with his guys. He just went and talked to them like they were human beings. And that's what every wide receiver and running back and offensive lineman wants out of their quarterback. Somebody that's going to talk to him. Like he knows them because he does know them. AJ McCarron is is a consummate pro. He's going to get to know his guys. He's going to know what makes them tick, and he's going to work and make that team better. 
and the Battle Hawks are just going to get better as the season goes on. That offense is going to age like a fine wine. The defense is wild and 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 ridiculously good. Uh, so I think the Battle Hawks have this all the way. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Battle Hawks on this myself, especially after two games of winning in the last second. Um, McCarron puts it on his back, and I know that if he can't do it, it probably can't be done. Um, so I'm confident in them as well. DC has got to find a true identity. I feel like between King and Jordan, I'm not sure that they know what to do. Pick a guy, play him, let him roll during the game and see how the dominoes fall. And, you know, it's interesting that uh, Drew had mentioned the bear snake. You would have thought that we would have fit that, squeezed that into the news earlier. That I mean, that was should have been something that was important to mention. It's just. Oh, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I mean, it, it, it's big news that the uh, Defenders organization decided, hey, we're not going to take away your bear snake this time around. So hopefully that. The fans just keep it together and don't mess it up. Yep. Especially the lemons. Yeah, let's keep the lemons at bay this week, DC. Um, if they're going to let us have the beer snake back, work on that beer snake instead. Put your motivation and all your money into that beer snake. Let's see it on TV, please. I had to think about it for a second, but I disagree. Throw all of the lemons on the field. <laughs> They got to be cut first, though. Let's let's make that clear. Cut and squeezed. All right, Yell guys. Yell shame. Yell shame when you throw the lemons. Let's move on to the Orlando Guardians at the Arlington Renegades. That's Sunday at 3. As we know, the Guardians are struggling this year. The Renegades are struggling a bit, too, but they definitely have the capacity to take off. What do we think, fellas? Arlington is probably going to win this game by three or four scores. Maybe more. If they continue on the upward trend on offense, like we saw last week with them actually being able to put things together, even though it was only for a quarter. Uh, well, I get the second the second half, they put together a couple, a couple of decent drives as well, but it it just wasn't the same as the second quarter. But they're starting to figure out a little bit of who they are. Uh, that's more than you can say for Orlando, unfortunately. I know I've done a lot of Orlando hating. I don't really hate Orlando. I actually like them a lot. Uh, a lot of great players, a lot of players that I'm familiar with from my, you know, college football fanhood. Uh, so they're, and they're, they're entertaining to watch. Whether or not you love them or hate them, even though they're a bad team, they're entertaining to watch. Terrell Buckley, I mean, anybody who knows anything about the XFL knows who Orlando is and knows what problems they have. Like that's the two, the two biggest storylines in the XFL right now, in my eyes, Orlando having the problems that they're having for better or for worse. It's entertainment. And then the DC beer snake. And you know, when you're one of two big stories in the league, if you can figure things out and get together and, and really become a good team, you just became quite possibly the biggest story in the league. You just became what this league is all about. I don't see it happening this week. I don't think that just because my opinion is Terrell Buckley had kind of a 
come to Jesus moment with himself and went and apologized to the players, probably uh, that doesn't necessarily mean he's back in their good graces. So uh, to be honest, I don't even know if Orlando scores in this game. Arlington's defense is just ridiculously good. Yes. Uh, if, If Orlando scores, like 12 is their ceiling, I think. <laughs> I don't think they get any more than that. Are we talking four field goals here? Are we talking actual points? No, I mean, if they've proven they can score touchdowns, but, I mean, most of them, we can just be honest and say Orlando's offense has not been impressive. It's just not. They Haven't they scored? No, they scored 13 the first week, so 13 is their ceiling. But, I mean, I feel so bad saying that, but, it, guys, it's just the truth. Arlington's probably about to destroy Orlando. Don't even really have to say too terribly much about it, especially if if uh, Plitt figures things out and they can figure that offensive line out and and really actually not even figure the offensive line out. Their offensive line played great against Houston uh, for for uh, three quarters. They just got rocked in the first quarter. They got punched in the mouth. After that, they figured it out and they had success. So if they've truly got things figured out and they can fix their play calling, which I think was an issue, then it's going to be it's going to be bad, guys. Just bad. Because of this renegade defense, I'm going to say Orlando probably won't have much opportunity to score. But with that, I don't think the renegades have the offense that we think they have. Last week was not a good game to watch. It was pretty bad on the ground. Just terrible in general, in my opinion. You said they had a few flashes of goodness, but otherwise, without those turnovers, that would have been a long game. Jake, what do you think? I really think that Orlando's going to need a proctologist once this game is over because (laughs) they're really going to get screwed by Arlington without the courtesy of Lube. That's how bad it's going to be in this game. And if Orlando even scores in this game... I'm not even sure how good their special teams are, but I think if there's anything, that's where all any of their points are going to come from because the offense, just like Vegas, just stinking it up. And are, 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 I'm thinking, okay, are the Guardians trying to be the next Vipers, the next standing poopers in the league? <laughs> it's, it's, it's aggravating and disgusting uh, to, for them to be – this bad, and then you know, going into week three, playing a game that playing a team that is so so, but to the point where the issues with their playbook execution I think that's the least of their issues when they're going to be dealing with the defense of Arlington. I, I mean, really, if Orlando's uh, offense goes anywhere, those points are going to be coming from special teams. Yeah, we've seen quite a bit of field goals this past two weeks. I know we kind of talked about that last week, but it's pretty prevalent. Um, Usually the first drive is is a field goal from my my viewing, especially in Houston. Our first scoring drive was a field goal. We got stopped in the red zone and had to kick a field goal. So so I'm (laughs) going to expand a little bit on the pooping while standing up thing. It's relevant because the reason the Vipers have the, the, well, it's not the reason, but a a contributing factor to the reason they have the name is because the everybody recognizes the talent that Vegas has. They just do nothing with it. They stand there and they crack themselves in the game. Orlando doesn't even, at this point, it seems like they don't even know why they're out there together. 
it's almost like they went door to door and was like, hey, you want to play ball out back? And then out back turns to be turns out to be the stadium. Like they don't know they don't know where the bathroom is. They don't. So it's okay that they stand up and poop. It's not okay that the Vipers stand up and poop because at least they know. So I'm in. Okay, guys, let's move on to our last matchup of the week. It's San Antonio at Houston. Um, that game's at seven on Sunday. That's the last game of the week. This is going to be a good one. If San Antonio doesn't come out and capitalize on the Houston mistakes, if there is any, they're not going to pick up the win. Drew, what you think? Uh, I highly doubt, and I and it stinks for me to say this because I love this guy. Uh, William likely uh, will likely not be returning punts. Uh, we've got too much talent to put back there that that unless he really improves and practices and ball security improves it to the coaches. I don't think he's out there anymore for punt returns. Uh, it may just be in his head right now. I would love it if he can, if he can get back because he was really dangerous. Like both of those, both of those fumbles came on returns where he was about to break it. So, you know, he has the, he very clearly has the talent and the ability to do it, but we've got other guys that can do it and that are safer with the ball. And we made that change during the game and, and it fixed itself. And to his credit, William likely had a, had a really good defensive game. Like he still went out there and made plays on defense, even after his For two sure. mistakes. So yep. you know, that says a lot about the player, but overall in terms of the, the matchup itself, I don't think, God, I keep saying this, man. I think it's going to be a two a two possession game. Uh, San Antonio is still trying to get their stuff together. They played against Orlando. Their defense is pretty good. Uh, the only the only thing I'll say is they definitely have a chance if they can get their running backs going. And Houston did really good stopping the run last week. Week one they didn't, but they were playing a lot of soft zones. So we, I mean, honestly, we don't really know a whole lot about Houston's run defense. But you know that Heinz Ward is going to come out in the first half and and really try and run the ball. San Antonio, San Antonio. Sure. Yeah, Heinz Ward. It's uh, he's the head uh, coach. You, you said Houston. I was just going to correct it. Oh, I, oh, I thought I said Heinz Ward. Man, I am out of it. <laughs> uh, so San Antonio is definitely going to try and run the ball. They they've come out and, and they definitely established it week one. And then week two, they tried their best to establish it. And then Jack Cohn just took over and destroyed Orlando's defense. But we'll see exactly what Jack Cohn brings to the table against Houston's defense. And we'll see exactly what that offensive line is made of. Right now, I don't see anybody other than Houston winning the league, right? Just the way that things are right now. Uh, St. Louis has an outside shot. Everybody else does not have a shot the way that things are right now. So as the season progresses, I expect that to change uh, and, and possibly change drastically. Maybe even have some names that we that we don't think are going to be there in the end right now. Step up and actually be there in the end. But I don't I don't necessarily see this being close. I think Houston's got a broad advantage. Yeah, Houston's probably going to win by two scores. Do you see Silvers starting and playing the whole game? Or do you see Cole McDonald getting some experience and time in this game? Um, if they run the score up, then Cole McDonald will come in and play a lot. But they're, Houston's going to run a two a two quarterback system. Situationally, they want to run Cole McDonald because he's really good at the read option. That's that's like his bread and butter, the, and he's not easy to tackle either. I mean, the guy's six three two, like two thirty, 
You know, I mean, he's a big dude. So, uh, and for him to run as fast as he does is just obscene. So you've got two guys. It's very similar to the, like, I, like I mentioned a bit ago to the situation in uh, DC, except Silvers is actually a good, a good passer. And he's not like an excellent passer, but he's, he's more than sufficient for what Houston's doing on offense. And Cole McDonald is a really good runner, just like Derek King is a really good runner. Uh, the difference between the two teams is Houston has a system figured out. They know exactly what they want to do with the two, and they do it. DC, on the other hand, seems like they're a little bit kind of off kilter with it. It works sometimes. It doesn't work others. They it, they take different approaches. Whereas Houston, you know, mid-drive will swap them out and have successful plays, and they're not just running su- successful plays and saying, oh, that worked. Cool. Let's see what Silvers can do now. They're saying, oh, let's do this. And then immediately after, have Silvers come back in and, and throw this or run this play because it's what Cole McDonald did set up that play. Like they yes, did sir. it for a specific reason. So, uh, I don't know. I, I sound like a broken record probably, but Houston's playing chess and everybody else is playing checkers right now. Uh, until that changes, I'm probably going to say Houston by two scores just about every week. Yeah, I knew we'd see the multi-approach coming in i knew we'd see a couple different quarterbacks running backs receivers all in all i was glad with the houston game because we did not get bored watching new faces new names new numbers it, it's, it was exciting with the exception of silver's um few picks or two, two picks and the one that got called back greatly enjoy watching that team and i look forward to them in the long run winning that championship and bringing it home to houston Jake, do you got anything else before we move on to the betting lines for the week? I mean, other than what Drew had already said, I mean, I'm I don't quite see two touchdowns. I could see ten points maybe, but I, I mean, I'm not I'm not seeing you know any possible scenario where it could be it could be t- uh, two touchdowns, but you know, any or touchdown to 10 points i i see that's possible where it ends in this favor uh i just think there's a lot of things that san antonio still has to figure out uh before uh and i mean and then who knows they may just pull out a complete upset it it's that's just the thing of a a completely revived league starting out from scratch is you really don't know what to expect. Uh, and we've discussed early on in the, you know, throughout the um, podcast that I guess doesn't know what they're doing. And there's a lot of things where people don't know what they're doing. So you're just going off of speculation and doing things on the fly and you just, it's like you're throwing crap at the wall and seeing what sticks. And I think that's what a lot of teams in the XFL doing. And I even think that's uh, with Houston too. It's just, they're, uh, they're throwing a lot of crap at the wall and a lot of it is sticking. So, you know, they're, they're doing good on wh- what they are doing right now. It's just a matter of can they keep it up or are they going to run out of steam at some point in this season? So it's just, it's a week to week thing. We're going off, off the fly things and speculation. We don't know what to expect until we get late in the season. 
Agreed. Both great takes. And as we said when we started this shindig back in episode one, we are speculating. This is our opinions and knowledge that we have gained from researching and working and watching these games. We don't claim to be right. And we really don't want to argue with anyone to see if they're right. But we do want to hear opinions, whether they're against us or for us. I mean, I kind of feel like I'm right. 